0: I think for me and most of our traits and who we are, we can draw back to our childhood. For me, because I played sports, I was never the most talented on the team. A lot of the times I was actually the captain of my soccer team, my basketball team. And I just knew because I didn't have as much talent as some of the other people I'm competing against, like I just had a one-up an um, effort. Like I had to go the extra mile in order to compete, in order to win. And that that just stuck with me and and even in business right like i'm in the financial space um there's people that are older than me that are smarter than me um that have been in the game longer than me but that doesn't mean that i can't affect the marketplace and i can't change people's lives and impact what they're they're doing and, and you know alter their future and really make a difference in, in someone's life that lives in kentucky
1: the move entrepreneur Evolved podcast get on it all right so here we are on episode 20 of moved entrepreneur evolve podcast and i'm excited here to have daniel blue with quest education and he helps business owners get creative with self-directed retirement accounts giving them options to pull money for business investments pay off debt and control working capital what's going on
0: brother Jason, appreciate you having me on the show. I wish I was in sunny California instead of 115 degrees in Vegas, but hey, we can still still jam via technology.
1: We can, we can. Well, I've done my homework and sometimes you get these feelings and so I felt that I was going to do this right and we talked about how I had a condo in Vegas and uh, I was going back and I don't know if you know this, but um, uh, do you remember your first post that you put in on Facebook?
0: Man, uh, I, I can't remember. I mean, I'm I'm probably three years in Facebook. I'm kind of late to the game, social media. So um, I'm sure it got like one like, two likes, maybe.
1: <laughs> well, it meant more to that than me. Um, actually, it was right in front of the Riverside County Assessor's office. Is where you where oh, you when got, I got married. married, and that was my yeah, that's my yeah. hometown. And so that right there, I thought, you know what? And um, you probably have a couple stories about how your father came from Mexico. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, Yep. And so I thought it would be right to take a shot of Hornitos right here just to say, you know what? I I appreciate you coming out. I really don't do this often, but I just had this little feeling. This is a double barrel uh, black label. So all all three of those things that we just talked about i thought it would just kick off saying man i appreciate you cruising over here and uh here's to you my friend and i learned something in mexico let's see hey, if it bro. goes well let's see
0: if it goes well blow, blow out from your mouth don't breathe in you yeah right I, I can't
1: And then you just let it all the way out, and then you don't get that funky face that everybody. Yeah,
0: man. Yeah. Like, that's definitely something I learned as a kid, unfortunately, drinking tequila. Like, when you drink tequila, you naturally just want to breathe in with your nose. But if you do that, it tastes like shit, right? (laughs) So you just drink the tequila, let it chill, and then just breathe out from your mouth. And then when you breathe in from your nose, you're good. You're good. So you you got it down, bro.
1: Well, I I always say you get that sour (laughs) butt face, you know? So I was like, you know what? I'm going (laughs) to see if I can lay it out. But I'm, yeah. I'm going to jump into something that's um, quite interesting. And where we met, and I always think good people meet when there's sometimes, maybe there's friction, but you create good friendships. We yeah. met on a social media post, and it kind of serves this exact moment in a guy named Conor McGregor. And Conor McGregor and um, the post, I think we were talking about all these crazy guys making money, and yeah. they just act like absolute idiots, right? Yeah. And the comment that I had talked with you about was basically, do you think we'd ever even hear from them? And I think it's just a tale of you look at Conor McGregor's last fight, big fan, went to Ireland to watch him fight. But here's my question to you, being in the money game and in the money world and management. Do you see that type of personality or when can they actually create a conservative mindset with their money? If they're, if, they're, if they're wild like that?
0: I think it's twofold. One, I think the environment really matters, right? Like who are these people surrounding themselves with? Uh, for example, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. And you know, when I was in high school, I was like, man, I just wanna make $100,000. If I can make $100,000, like, mama, we made it, right? And when I made $100,000 when I was 18 years old, I didn't know how to manage that money. I didn't know how to spend that money. So I was just buying dumb shit. I was spending the more than I was making. And a lot of that had to do with the lack of me having experience, but then also the people I hung around with, no one was checking me. No one was saying, Hey, you should probably think twice. I didn't have anyone to look up to and be like, man, like I can learn from that person or I'm getting sage advice, sage wisdom from this person. Um, so had I had a better circle of friends, uh, I think my circumstances would have changed. I would have made different decisions. Um, And I think like Mike Tyson is notorious for that, right? I think in that post you're referencing, I brought up Mike Tyson. You know, he had a big circle of friends where, you know, you're paying for this, you're paying for that. I mean, you hear about all of that with athletes and rock stars, like they're just paying for their whole entourage. And if you just have a different type of people around you where, you know, there's people, I think I read Rob Rob, uh, Gronkowski, um, he does not spend any money from his earnings, from his NFL. He only spends the money from his endorsements so all like 100 million dollar 50 million dollar you know contracts like he's not touching that money you know that is not something that he came up with right like that those are other people in his corner that are helping him with that obviously he's his own man he makes his own choice but you know i I think a lot of it has to do with you know your circle who you have around you and, and that applies to all of us not just you know rich athletes
1: Yeah. And I think that being in Vegas, you see a lot of that mentality. And I know that, you know, probably living there, you don't go to that part of that area of Vegas that people see all the time. But I think that being close to that mentality of that risk taker, um, you know, really they're marketing to the guy to come in on his jet and drop the money and then basically, uh, you know, fall off and want to come back again, I guess. So um, yeah. being in this, uh, I do like to kind of go back a little bit, and you already kind of opened that up. Uh, what What was your first uh, initial um, knowing that you were going to go after something entrepreneurial, or um, you know, was it job? Was it seeing somebody uh, that was the boss? What was that transition for
0: you? You know, I, I like to tell people. How I perceive entrepreneurship is there's two types of entrepreneurs. There's that one that just at a young age knew they wanted to be an entrepreneur, right? Like Gary Vee, right? Like he's always talking about like he was selling sports cards in school and you know, grabbing flowers from the park that were for free and then selling them to his neighbors and making money. Like he just was a hustler and entrepreneurial, like out the womb. And I think a lot of people can resonate with that. Uh, and then there's people that kind of just stumble into becoming an entrepreneur and it just happened. And that, that's me. I didn't grow up wanting to be an entrepreneur. Um, I just grew up wanting to compete. I played sports my whole life. So uh, I was never the most talented on the team, but I, I always competed and uh at a young age, even my first job I worked at Stater Brothers. I don't know if you guys have Stater Brothers down there in, in your hood uh, Oceanside brothers right, right down yeah, there yeah man yeah man so like I had the green apron when I was 16 making six dollars and 25 cents an hour bagging groceries and putting away grocery carts I wanted to be the best grocery bagger that was like I I, that was just me and then I started roofing at 17 years old I wanted to be the best roofer Um, so that was just like a mentality that I had a lot of it came from my mom seeing her bust her ass and her work so that was just always my mentality And then I went to college because society told me to, when I was 18, dropped out of college when I was 18, I was able to network at a young age and stumbled across a sales career. Um, So I was on the phone jamming, making money. That's where I made my first hundred grand at 18. And then from there, it's just a matter of wanting to become the best appointment setter, you know, and then the best closer and then have the best team. And then, you know, eventually you get to a certain point. And this is when I was about 24, 25, 26, where I'm just like, You know like the next step is owning my own business like and i love sports i love rallying the troops and being around people and competing it's like man my next step is entrepreneurship and and that's what i'm meant to be and and that's how my story ended up getting to a point where i am today you know where i started my company three years ago what was the what were you selling um real estate coaching so like you see flip this yeah, yeah. So it was an infomercial lead. People mm. would, would call in, buy a, an opportunity to make money with real estate, and uh, then we would upsell coaching. So it was uh, really high pressured. It was setter closer. You know, you had to call 150 people a day. You're getting told no. You're getting hung up on. You're dealing with rejection. Um, so that that definitely taught me a lot as well as far as putting in the eth- the work ethic and then you know being able to take rejection and being able to communicate over the phone. Uh, you,
1: you talk a lot about going the extra mile. Um, and I think that, uh, it comes up a lot and you hear a lot of guys with your, that personality, uh, maybe quite young. Um, what comes to mind when, when you think go the extra mile, is is it a business thing? Is it, is it a life thing? Is it, you know, what, what is it kind of that resonates with you when that comment comes up?
0: I think for me and most of our traits and who we are, we can draw back to our childhood. For me, because I played sports, I was never the most talented on the team. A lot of the times I was actually the captain of my soccer team, my basketball team. And I just knew because I didn't have as much talent as some of the other people I'm competing against, like I just had a one-up them um, an effort. Like I had to go the extra mile in order to compete, in order to win. And that, that just stuck with me. And, and even in business, right? Like I'm in the financial space. Um, there's people that are older than me, that are smarter than me, um, that have been in the game longer than me, but that doesn't mean that I can't affect the marketplace and I can't change people's lives and impact what they're, they're doing and, and, you know, alter their future and really make a difference in in someone's life that lives in Kentucky. You know, we've got customers in all 50 States. So, you know, I, I apply that to our business. Like we have to go the extra mile in customer service and making sure that people understand, like. Yeah, we don't look at you just as a number. Like we we care about you. We know your story. We know where you're coming from. Let's find out what you need and how we can help you.
1: I guess um, you know you're you're doing real estate, high pressure, um, and there's probably a shift. And you said, "Look, I'm going to go into finance." Was that after you had already? Said, I'm going to use the word "bagged cash," but was that already where you're like, "I'm going to try and manage my own money"? Did you make a transition and manage your own money, or did you find yourself? being mentored by somebody and then what kind of got you into i'm always interested in how people get into the financial industry because um there's a certain mentality in that right i mean it's numbers and then you 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 have to be able to sit there and run the numbers and i think that what you just shared is actually quite interesting to me because um sales and then running the numbers in many cases gets overlapped with somebody that's the accountant right so what, those two brains—that—that's many times a different brain.
0: I mean, it—it it, it is, man. Like you know, I got a CFO, uh, I got operations manager. Like I, I have skill sets that I lack that I'm getting better at. However, I, I have to delegate and hire within to help me make sure that we're running our business the way it needs to go and, and we're forecasting and, and, and moving uh, in the right direction but back to your, your original question and your point um i was in fourth grade her name is miss gathright one of my favorite teachers i still remember her my favorite teacher yeah, of cool. all time um her one of her assignments she gave us is she wanted us to look at the newspaper in the business section and all the stocks that were laid out pick a company and follow it for a month and that's how she taught us like a share price and then we started to study like what made it go up and down i picked nike right i'm in fourth grade i love playing sports like you know who doesn't know nike right so i thought that was really cool you know i was really fascinated by stocks and the investment world at a young age and then uh, when i'm selling real estate coaching i'm on the phone with successful real estate investors and they were talking about using their iras and 401ks to flip a house Using their IRAs and 401ks to purchase a rental property. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I didn't know you could do that. I thought your retirement account, your IRA or 401k was just to buy stocks like Nike and Apple and mutual funds. I didn't know you could use it to invest outside the stock market like that. That's what opened up my eyes with the self-directed world. And say that word again. Can can you say that word again? The self yes, self-directed retirement account world. That just means, yeah, that just means you can invest your money wherever you want so most people have a retirement account in the traditional world right they can buy mutual funds they can buy index funds they can buy stocks they can buy bonds they can buy etfs uh, reits just wall street based assets that's mm-hmm. what most people watching or listening to this are accustomed to then there's what are called self-directed retirement accounts and that gives you the back side of the menu where you can flip over the menu and now you can invest in precious metals. You actually can have your retirement account own gold, not a gold mining stock, but actually precious metals. Um, Your retirement account can actually own Bitcoin. It can invest into crypto. Um, It can invest into a fund with Grant Cardone, private lending, private equity. Uh, It can flip a house, rental properties. Uh, There's also plans, certain plans that allow you to take money out penalty and tax-free, and you could use that money to start your business that you've always wanted to start. Or maybe you need some capital to jumpstart your business. You could use some of the money there. Um, maybe you have high interest rate credit card debt. There's certain self-directed plans that allow you to take money out, penalty and tax-free, and pay off high interest rate credit card debt. So these self-directed retirement accounts have a lot more flexibility and options than traditional retirement accounts. Um, so that world was introduced to me. I'm 32. So this is probably about seven eight years ago um and and that really stuck with me then is that something um because i think the way that
1: you explain that is like hey you can buy the index funds and you know you can go buy your different stocks you do all that and flipping the paper over um in many cases i think we saw this with like um amc or we saw it's amc right yeah um Game we saw, <laughs> yeah we had the stop we had this whole thing i think it it, it opened up the minds of, we thought that was going on, but we really didn't have the means or the pressure to expose it. And what you're sharing, do you think that these are things that the majority of people don't hear about because they're not privy to the regular person intentionally? Or do you think it's something that you just, maybe, maybe your, your financial advisor doesn't even open up?
0: Yeah. Bullet point number two, man. Uh, so my book that's coming out next month, Blueprint to Your Best Retirement Account, um, Your, Your Best Retirement. There's an account that I talk about where these accounts, IRAs, 401ks, brokerage accounts, uh, I have a chapter in there where I talk about Wall Street and how dirty that game is. Um, the, follow the the, the the money, right? Like mm-hmm. some people watching this right now, they might remember. I know you remember, Jason, that commercial that Fidelity had. It was called Follow the Green Arrow. Like And it was like these people that would come together and like a little green arrow would show up on the sidewalk and they would follow the green arrow and and they're all happy. Like that's what Wall Street wants you to do. Just just follow the green arrow, look down, don't ask questions and just follow them. And ultimately you have to follow the money. Wall Street makes anywhere from half a percent to 2% a year assets under management, right? So they're managing trillions of dollars. Take a trillion dollars, take $500 billion times 1%. It's a lot of money, Mm -hmm. right? So the more money they have in these accounts, the more fees they generate. Why would they want to teach you how to take money out of your retirement account penalty and tax-free to start a business, Mm -hmm. to invest into uh, a property and flip it? They're not making money off of that, right? So self-directed retirement accounts, they've been around for decades. It's not brand new. It's not some shady a brand new retirement account that just came out like these are irs approved retirement accounts they are just not talked about because it does not make money for financial advisors and you know wealth management companies and just wall street in general
1: yeah i think that it really did open up, up the eyes and i think i think a lot of people it's that natural instinct you know oh they're screwing us you know but i think that it really opened the doors to a lot of people and I think that one thing that you're noticing is a lot of the guys that were in the gaming world. I don't know if you've seen a lot of articles about this, but guys who were playing video games and all that stuff, they transitioned to stock trading and they started to kind of just put themselves in those positions and try to make better decisions financially. But using yeah. that kind of, I don't want to use OCD, is probably not the right word, but I mean, the ability to actually just sit there for hours and play some form of game. You know, yes. you're seeing a lot of that, you know, is that, yeah. let's ask that question, is that scary to the market? Putting all of that into the hands of the consumer, crypto, I mean, you know, you, Dogecoin gets thrown out there, they get, then they say that, you know, crypto's fake and then now it's, everybody go buy gold. Do you think the risk or the jerk, the, the jerk reactions um, are going to affect a majority of people because they don't have risk management?
0: that's why i love america right like we are so blessed to live in america and have the freedoms and opportunities and the choices every single decisions every single day that decisions we can make that so many countries don't have Um, so i'm I'm pro-choice um i I believe that you know we should be able to make a lot of our own decisions um and especially in entrepreneurship and like you know you're in the entrepreneurship game like it's risky right? Like nothing is guaranteed. We have to do our research, our due diligence. We have to make so many decisions. And if we go out of business, if we fail, that's on us, right? So, you know, I, I am more so for people being able to have a bigger menu of options and they get to choose. Now, if that person, if or a different person, let's just say, is like, hands off. I don't want to be involved I'm okay paying 2% a year for Bob and fidelity to manage my money. I don't even want to make any choices. Like I just want them to deal with it. Like I, I don't even care if that's their choice and that's on them, like more power to them. Mm. But I just think that Americans should just be able to have more information at their disposal so they can make an educated decision on, you know, what they want to do or not do.
1: And I think that, um, I mean, it's obvious out into our world right now and not driving it politically, but there is changing of indoctrinations, if you like it or you don't, there's a lot of things going on right now. And would you, uh, what would be your thoughts on why is it that financially um, educated or um, people being indoctrinated in, in a financial standpoint when we were younger, I don't even, I mean, obviously they don't do this now, but. I would have to say that it wasn't until 10th grade did they sit down and say okay everybody here is a fake checkbook and i don't even know looking back in high school uh, mr Howe was his name and he was the basketball coach and i'll never forget because he was he actually sat down and he was like look this is a checkbook this is how this works and i kind of look back i'm like if he didn't do that he would have no one would have gotten that education. Do you think that's built into our ethos of a company or as a as a country? Do you think it's intentional?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the world, the way that our our structure is set up, these big huge companies, it's banks, credit card companies, um, you know, these big financial institutions. You know, they spend a lot of money donating to congress right like you just follow the money and ultimately if people are in a position where they're paying high interest rate debt um you know they're not able to really get ahead financially um, it's going to make a lot of people a lot of companies money and at the end of the day i think there's a reason why financial literacy really isn't taught um to to us at a young age right like i didn't learn about an llc or how credit scores work, utilization rates, how an interest rate on a mortgage works, um, until later in life, and, and ultimately that's on on me for not you know wanting to pay attention and, and actually you know when I turn eighteen to study, but like they definitely should be teaching some of the basics in in high school, at the very least in terms of you know some some of the basic principles, so that way you're set up more for success uh, as an adult when you turn eighteen.
1: What what do you think some of those basics should be? I mean.
0: And obviously, math is a pretty good one, <laughs> but, but for, for sure, I'm starting at the bottom here yeah yeah, man I, I think mental health for sure, you know, I think uh mindset, you know, I didn't hear the word personal development and you know commitment and and discipline and uh you know things like that until later in life. Um, I hear it every so often, but like you know actually understanding how important you know mental health is um i think credit scores are huge man like when i was 18 19 20 i was just like i don't need a credit card like if i have the ability to pay for it, i'll just use cash like why do i need a credit card but like credit is so important you know i maxed out my credit cards to start this business three years ago um, i've used my credit cards to make money for business expenses i still do right so having the means to access the bank's money and use credit like you need that um as for certain times um, so credit score to me is is one of the big ones because now that affects you so much right like affects your car loan right like you can have an interest rate of eight percent on a car loan versus four percent just because your credit score um, you know uh, cell phone companies look at your credit score um, your utilities right like your mortgage you know the difference between buying a house and renting a house right like your how people buying a house is one of the biggest purchases they're going to make in their whole life and and yet you know we're not taught at a younger age you know what a mortgage is and how interest works and 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 things like that
1: yeah i had a scenario i was quite young i was fortunate and i went after it when i was younger as well like you and i recognized you know um you know this this is what my situation is and you know, I'm, I I decided I wasn't going to go to college. And, and if I'm not going to go to college, then I'm going to have to learn how to sell. And yeah. when I went to learn how to sell, uh, I was fortunate. Uh, a guy had owned a dealership and I'd worked at the dealership. I was young. I mean, I was 20 at the time. And um, I just, uh, I think I had a small car loan, um, but I went up to him and I remember it was like, you know, housing time. And I was like, what do you think about maybe buying a house? And the guy Um, I'd actually gotten the idea because uh, I'd interview everybody I sold. I just, what would you do if you could do it over? What would you do if you could do it over? What would you, and I kind of created my first survey, (laughs) you know, at at a young age in there. And they all said, they said, I wish I didn't do as many drugs (laughs) as as I did. Um, And then the second one is they said, I wish I would have just bought a house early. And and I remember just walking back and and going, I wonder how that works. And, you know, I didn't have any education on that or whatever. And, So i went to the owner and and he took me up and um i mean he had he put the the balls in my court i guess you can say because i i had no idea and at that time he took me over and we went up to these houses and i found this older house and he goes no you know what come over come with me and we go to this new property and um it was a new track and all and so he got the guy that was the real estate Guy, the the what is it, the presenter or whatever, we went to the house and the house was 3,300 square feet, 3,200 square feet. And then the guy just kind of is presenting to him. And, and uh, he looks at me and says, don't look at me, look at him. And that move, I mean, that move, I was 20, 20 years old. I walked away with like $260,000. And that was like a shift, right? And at such a young age, um, that was a shift, but it almost was a gamble than it was educated, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, I think that's a uh, that's how we learn, right? Like my my first house I bought it was in uh, 08. I was making really good money. It's right before the crash, and uh, I was just like, "All right, I can afford it. Let me buy a house." And I didn't think about one of the most important questions that you have to ask yourself when you make an investment: How long do you plan on staying in this investment? Mm. Right? Like, if you're going to buy Apple stock, like, how long do you plan on, or do you want to hold on to that stock? right year five years that that stuff matters right like when i bought my house i didn't even think about that and i bought that house when right before the market crashed and i didn't have the mentality of i'm going to be in this house for 10 years and because or five years and because i didn't have that mentality and i didn't approach my exit strategy i ended up losing the house and uh you know i'm 18 years old making bad decisions but like something that elementary has to be asked when you buy a house like i bought a property it was 2021 i bought a property three years ago market was really really high still high right when i bought in 2018 i'm looking at man we're on a freaking eight-year bull run market's been going up for a long time like should i buy but i was like dude, I'm going to be in this house for at least 10 years. I don't give a shit if my property takes, you know, if we have a crash, like I'm going to be here 10 years. I don't care. I know in 10 years from now, what I bought this property for in 2018, I know in 2028, it's going to be worth more. So I don't mm-hmm. care what happens. You live and you learn, right? So you, you got to make sure you you go into it with that kind of perspective. I think, um,
1: I think that's, that's really true. And I, what a hard, thing to 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 wrap around your head when you're buying a home because there's a statement that I'm sure that you've heard it as well. It's like, well, I'm going to buy this house and it doesn't really matter what the market happens because where am I going to live? And I think that what you do is that there is more options than you think. And that that one option of kind of sticking at it or sticking through it is really not it's, it's not really Real anymore. I mean, if, if you, if I, in your scenario with um, opening the doors to 401ks and IRAs and being able to pull that money out, that means you're just not stuck. And we're seeing that with travel. We're seeing that with people that want to be nomads and, and live in other countries. And so, w- would you say, coming from that mentality, would you say that people take investments, even in homes, and really do say, look, i i will get out and i'm okay with getting out at this point
0: Um, i i think uh like for me uh, i was super clear in the sense of i know i was going to be in vegas for 10 years right like when i bought my house in 2018 i was like i'm gonna be here for at least 10 years so i'm good um you brought up a good good point like if you're thinking about moving and, and leaving the state or the city in three five years or like it's kind of on the fence um, I wouldn't, I don't like the mentality of, well, if I move, I'll just rent it out. Well, like, dude, what if the market takes a shit and your mortgage mm-hmm. is 1500 and now rents are 1200, right? Like that changes things. Right. So, um, it's, it, it really is coming going to come down to the kind of circumstance and situation that, that, that people are in. And there's always the debate of buying versus renting and, and things like that. Um, you know, I, I think it comes down to people. Like one of my friends, he's just like, dude. I never want to buy a house because I don't want to deal with fixing shit. Like, I just want to be able to call my property manager. And if I want to move somewhere, I want to move somewhere and not be tied down. Like that's his perspective. That's his mentality, right? So everyone is just a little different.
1: Would you say that in those cases, um, if you're going to make that kind of decision, those kind of decisions can be wrapped around, like it's a different asset because many times the 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 reason that people make that decision in their home is because they look at it as their financial asset that's going to take them into their retirement. So it's like, oh, if I have this house, that's going to take into my retirement. I didn't really pay attention to a lot of that mentality of should I rent or not. I always thought I was just buy the house and go. And actually, Grant Cardone made a pretty good argument. He's the first person that I ever heard make a good argument. Now, as a large Person that presses renting, <laughs> that goes yeah. pretty good for him.
0: Yeah, for what, reals.
1: What, what do you think on that? I mean, uh, even in the example that you gave me, is it people that are having businesses that are spitting off cash where they feel comfortable saying, hey, you know what? I don't need to make my home the asset for my retirement. Do, yeah. do you, are we finding, do you think that we're finding more of that?
0: um You know, how I would answer that question is most of my friends and people I associate with are entrepreneurs. So I know me and and hearing from from them talking as well, like we don't look at our houses as like our retirement. Um, I mean, I I look at it as just stability for my 12 year old daughter, right? Like you know, I bought my house for $295,000 in 2018. Um, I put $60,000 down so I didn't have to pay PMI insurance. My mortgage is 1400 a month. I'm going to pay $1,400 a month, no matter where, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, even if I rent, can I have taken that $60,000 and put it in my business and make a higher ROI or bought Bitcoin? Yeah. Um, But I also bought bought this house and right now it's like, neighbors are selling for like 450, 460. I bought it for 295, but I don't even give a shit about that because I'm not selling it. Right. Like I'm going to be in it for 10 years. So um, I, I just look at it for me personally is I have more stability for my family, for my daughter. Uh, um, and, and I don't look at it as like, it's part of my net worth or it's, it's part of my retirement. Um, I, don't, I don't have that perspective towards it. Now, I can't speak for other people, right? That person that works a nine to five, you know, that makes 50K, 70K a year, huh, they might look at that as like, man, I'm, I'm banking on this. Like this is, this is my retirement. That's scary because especially if you're older and the market takes a shit, Are you trying to take a home equity line of credit? Are you trying to do a reverse mortgage? Are you going to try to sell it to downsize? Are you going to try to rent it out? Now you're basing your future off of things you can't control. Mm. And I'm not a big fan of that.
1: I think that's a really good point. And I think that you brought something up, brought her up a few few times. And I think your story is awesome because you came out on the other end. Um, but you did have a, a kid, right? And you had a young, a young daughter, and you were at the age of nineteen. And I've I've heard your story as well. That was a surprise, I'm sure, to a nineteen year old. Um, and I mean, just at that age, you. I mean, now you know, listening to that, like you're making good money. You now have a kid, but man, like, what did that do to your whole mindset? Because it's like you're you're bringing someone with you now. <laughs> you know, you're taking someone on this journey. What was that like for you? at that age to kind of try to have those two cohesive together.
0: Yeah. So I was 18 when I actually got, you know, her, her mom pregnant. And, uh, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was 19 when, when she was born, but I was 18 when she was pregnant. And uh, I was just living sky high, man, making six figures, 18, cocky douchebag. I just bought the house. I bought a Range Rover. I'm on cloud nine. And uh, I remember- 19, uh, you got a Range Rover. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like I, at a
1: Denali. I was a douchebag
0: too. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I had 24s on it, had TVs in the background in, in the in the back seats. Like total douchebag. Um, <laughs> but I remember we were going on a walk around the neighborhood, her mom and I, and uh she's just like, Hey, I got something to tell you. And she's like, I'm pregnant. And remember, like, I think everyone can can relate to this, like those times where you sit on a curb. And you have your your arm like on your knees, and then you put your head over your your arm. Like that's what I did, man. For like 30 minutes, I was just, like, "Dude, my life's over. Like I'm I'm fucked." And I'm, like I'm a kid, like, and I still had some personal issues going on. My dad moved to Mexico when I was 12. I didn't forgive him again at that point so I was still struggling like with who I was and and who I wanted to become and um so I was still battling some demons and I was like hey I'm not ready to be a dad like I don't want to be a dad like what are you talking about um but at this time I was using Oxycontin I was I was essentially Mm -hmm. using heroin um so it was high um and I continued to use drugs for a while um, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't even, it's, it's easier for me to talk about now. Cause she's 12, um, but I wasn't even at the hospital when she was born. I didn't see my daughter until she was two weeks old. Um, and I still used drugs when she was born, when she was a month and she was three months, I didn't finally get clean until she was six months old. And and I've been clean since then she's, she's 12 now. Um, so it, to, to answer your question, it, it, it really hit me until I lost my house. I moved from St. George to Las Vegas and and then reality hits me cuz I'm sober and now it's just like okay like what else am I going to do like I got to be the best that I can be I'm not going to abandon my daughter I'm not going to be a shit you know bullshit you know dad like I got to show up like God gave me this kid for a reason. Like I truly believe that God gave me a daughter to, to get me clean. So, um, yeah, man, it was, it was a lot of growing up, uh, especially her mom and I parted ways when she was about a year old. Um, so you know, I did the whole court thing, battling that, um, dealing with, you know, um, uh, the whole baby mama, uh, drama, you know, we hear about that in rap songs, you know, yeah. outcast has well, that, had, that. I mean, song. you had
1: the, you had the Rover and everything. It, it
0: went... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No, nah, man. I, I lost the Rover. I lost the house. I went from driving a, an 06 um, Range Rover to driving, I think it was like a late 90s Honda Accord. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you get humbled. And uh, But it, it all happens for a reason. You know, the, the struggles on the other side of the struggle is just a new version of you and, and, and growing pains.
1: You know, um, I, I never, I mean, obviously that I have my ailments and my losing my mind times and things like that, but never, never went into the pill popping side of it. Um, wh- what was it like coming off of that? Because I, I hear that's a, that's a rough, that's a rough go. I mean, it, t- it took a lot of courage for you to continue off the
0: path, right? It was rough, man. So for those that and I'm going to say for those that don't know, but I, then I stopped myself. I'm just like, man, we're in 2021. I think most people listening, watching watching this either have done it themselves or know someone that knows someone that has been affected by pills, um, you know, Oxycontin, Loretta, Percocet, Vicodin. Um, like these big pharmaceutical companies right now, I think Johnson and Johnson just got sued and had to settle for billions of dollars. Yeah. Like legitimately right now, if you just Google, you know, Oxycontin lawsuits, like there's billions of dollars in lawsuits being paid right now from these companies for over prescribing from giving pills to our country uh, 10 years ago when I was using pills. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's heroin in a pill is is what these pills are essentially. Um it was rough man like I had two seizures coming off these pills. Um you almost have like the flu when you go a day or so without using, you know mm. you start sweating, you start, you know it comes out on both ends. Um I try to get clean like four, five, six times man like legit get clean and uh I just can never go past 3 days, a week, two weeks like Something would happen in my life, the universe would test me, and then I was just so weak mentally that I would just relapse. Hmm. And even after having seizures, um, and and what finally got me clean was, uh, this would have been November 2009, Thanksgiving Day. Um, my, my daughter and my family, they were at my house making dinner, Thanksgiving meal, um, and, and I needed to score. I needed to get the, get some pills, and I was driving around town calling everyone to, to, to score, and no one was picking up. Imagine that, you know, drug dealers are having turkey, um, and, and they weren't picking up my phone calls. And I just remember sitting in my car knowing that I wasn't going to be able to get high that night, and I was just like, man, like what am I doing with my life? Like my family is making Turkey and it's Thanksgiving. It's a holiday. And I'm telling them that I'm going to the gas station to grab a Red Bull and I'll be back. And it's been an hour. Right. I'm like, dude, I am just a piece of shit. a druggie. Like, is this the life I want to give Bella? Like, is this who I want? Bella, my six month old daughter, who is young enough right now where she don't know what's going on. She's six months. Right. But like, she's going to be two, she's going to be five. She can be 10 one day. Like, is this what she's going to look up to? Like, No, man, like this is not this is not my life. And then uh, I made phone calls the next day and I packed my shit. I, I left St. George, Utah. I drove uh, two hours south, hour and a half south, ended up in Las Vegas, and and I moved to Las Vegas to change my environment to get clean because I knew I had to get a phone, a new phone number, new friends, new environment, and just not know anyone in this city. And I didn't know anyone here, and uh, I've been clean since. And and people laugh at me when they're like, "Dude, you got clean in, in Sin City in Las Vegas." And
1: yeah, I, I think I, I think I said I said, I said "Yeah, you know, that's that's not." I said I wouldn't have been the direction I would have went.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah man. For sure. I, you know, looking at the geography, I should have went north to, to, to Mormon Town and Salt yeah. Lake City. Um, but instead I went south where all the, the strippers and casinos are, but. Uh, well, maybe, I mean, but, in a way, again, you
1: look at it, you know, maybe that was part of like, Hey, if I can clean here, I ain't going yeah. back. Right. Cause it's exactly, like, man. You know, it's, it's it, at that point, it's like, I, I can't get, get out of that. So yeah. you start, um, so you start Quest Education, and um, you'd you would mentioned you know you max out your credit cards, you get everything going. Um, what was that? What was that starting point for you like? I mean, it was like, all right, bang on, here we go. Was it? Uh, did you go back and and uh, pull back your client and customer acquisition skills? Did you go back and say, look, I need to do marketing. Uh, my did you get on the phone and do cold call? What was that? I want to say fuel that was under the rocket because it didn't sound like you had some like plane, you know, I I looked at, I don't know. Did you see Richard Branson uh, go? Yeah, man. Yeah, that was cool. I got up in the morning and I was like, I got to see this. (laughs) Yeah. But I think one thing that was interesting to me on that was that the plane was, Basically, it's a three piece plane, and, and they were going like this. And at 40,000, they released, and then he went up in the air. Yeah. And what I was kind of observing was for many years, we always did the rocket fuel. And if, yeah. and if it, what it kind of resonated with me is like, if you don't have enough power, if you don't have enough energy, you need thousands of gallons to get off the ground. But for him to go to 40,000, and go to 200,000 i don't know what it was up there i mean it was like crazy numbers right and they used the feather i always was proud that i knew that's what it was called but if you like the feather it came back down but when you started when you started quest education did you have a runway kind of like richard branson or were you at the point of rocket fuel i got to hit this thing and i got to get through that first 6 months or a
0: year um, luckily I did have a lot of contacts. Um, so like a lot of my employees that I work with right now, uh, I've worked with them for many years in, in different environments. Um, so I've been able to and I, I relate this to sports, man, like just having a team. Sometimes, like, you know, you you play with someone on this team and then you're down the road, you know, I played competitive soccer as a kid, like. You know, you cross paths, you know, and, and you gelled well before. So it's like, hey, yo, I'm starting a new team. Like, there's a spot for you. Like, do you want to jump on? And they already know how you play and how you operate. So they're like, yeah, dude, let's do this. Let's run it back. So um, I was able to leverage a lot of relationships. I, mean, I would not be here today without networking and, and without certain mentors and without without certain relationships. Um, so that's definitely been something that that helped me. Um, And then also what helped me is because i made so many mistakes when I was younger and not understanding credit and spending more than I was making, Um, I was able to make a good amount of money in sales working as an employee, living below my means, saving a lot, putting money away, building my credit. So then when it was time to start the business, I was able to put all the chips in and and I was able to empty out my savings and and, and use credit cards to really just go hard um, and and make sure that I had enough money going into the company to hire the right people, to, you know, have marketing, to be able to, you know, sustain. And at the end of the day, like I had no problem in the beginning getting on the phone, like, you know, being able to communicate to clients and and provide value and have conversations and, and be able to get people to the finish line that's something I'm good at. I, I have that skill set. Like I know I could go sell anything, alarm, solar, whatever it is, cars. I've never sold any of those things, but I know how to communicate to people. And uh, that's a skill I've always been able to fall back on. Now I'm not on the phones really these days anymore because I want to empower and delegate and, and have my team um, focus on that. So in that way I can focus on building and working on the business instead of in the business. Um, but to answer your question in the early stages, a lot of it was, you know, me jamming on the phone, me selling, me bringing revenue, um, but then also having enough capital to, to make sure that I could have a team around me as well. So I wasn't just a one man show. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, you basically, even though you didn't
1: need that rocket fuel, you basically brought other people to be the wings and, and then basically, it allowed you to fly. I think that's just maturity, right? I mean, that's just like, hey, you know what? And there's people in life that want to be the rocket fuel. You know, I was talking, or I was not talking, I was reading this thing about someone that's going back into um, wanting to press another round of growth in their business. And um, he made a post and he says, I'm, I'm not looking for people looking for a work life balance right now in their life. Are you ready to get on here and make money? If you're looking for work-life balance, <laughs> you're not my guy. And I yeah. thought that was coming from many years back, where you know the game and the hustle and the clothes and all that. It was kind of fun to feel that. You know, it was kind of nice to see that there is the youth and or or even people. I don't even want to say youth. I just people that like the grind. I mean, yeah. they do, they like it. And it's and it's it's and it takes a certain person, but I think that they do like um, the grind. So here, here's what I did and I always like to do this. And um, so I do this kind of like, a, we'll call it a lightning round in a way, but it's not. I like to go and find a news article and I try to do my best to try to find something that relates to you um, and then maybe just get your opinion on it. And so um, what I did is I went in and I looked at, Uh, what they would consider uh, for, oh no, it better be here. Oh, when we were looking for it. Oh no, I guess, did it get lost? No, it didn't. It did when I had to close that out. Well, I'm gonna see if I can preface it because I did do my homework. But basically what it was, was it talked about options for um, employers. And what it was talking about is that a company was bringing out more opportunities for employers to give to their, um, to their employees um, as opportunities. And with the way that the world is shifting and, you know, you have things like Robin Hood and you have things like that, we do cater to entrepreneurs. But what is the mindset of employees that want to be vested compared to maybe the employer, because the article talked a lot about how um, they want to give more market opportunities to the employers, not just, you know, you have your fidelity, you have, you know, it'd be like, like your health insurance. You know, when i worked for somebody before, it was like, what's your only option? Well, Blue Cross is on its way, you know? So yeah. In, yeah. in this case, what are your thoughts on how this market's shifting? Um, and not relying on just the employer
0: to, to maybe handle those things. Um, I mean, I I that's where I think it comes down to you know, having side hustles. Um, like for example, uh I offer health insurance to my employees. Um, and then I have 401k plans for my employees. Um, my employees, they could always set up an IRA on their own IRA. They can put in 6,000 a year and then invest that money in the stock market, for example. Um, you know, but if they have a side hustle, um, you know, they could possibly set up a solo 401k. Um, that, that's one of the best plans out there. You can put a bunch of money in it. Um, get tax benefits, grow your money tax-free. You can pull money out penalty and tax-free and use it to you know, invest into a business or real estate uh, or pay off high interest rate credit card debt uh, with the loan feature that the solo 401k has. Um, really where, where I want to go to, um, I got a, a friend of mine actually there's two of them that own the same business, They're partners, um, you know, they're, they're levels ahead of me. They're, they're in the eight figure world, um, but they have a, a, a plan in place and they're actually doing it right now where them and a few and their key employees put money into like a bus- business, like an LLC. And then they're investing into different opportunities um, like Everbull, for example, you know, mm-hmm. uh, franchises, like, you know, so it's basically like, hey, you know we're making good money together but like let's let's throw some dice on on the table right like businesses can go under right but there's some good rewards so if you're okay playing you know with a risky hand like let's just form like a syndicate and let's like vet some deals out and let's invest together um and i thought that was really cool because you know their employees i think they're doing with like two or three of them right now they've been with them for many years they make good money and then they're looking at it as like, oh shoot, we, we get to invest with the owners. Like they're mm-hmm. investing into these different unique alternative opportunities. Um, like let's, let's do a syndicate together. So I thought that's pretty cool because now that's like your home run money, right? Like that's just money you're not counting on. And if it goes through, it's like, hell yeah. And, and you're, then you're doing it together. You're building yeah. some camaraderie, you know? So um, in your business model, uh,
1: where is it that your customer meets you in their journey?
0: um Someone has a four hundred one k from an old job or an IRA, and the thought of oh shoot, I can access this money penalty and tax free, because that's a big deal. When you take money out of an IRA or four hundred one k, for the most part, you're paying a ten percent early withdrawal penalty, plus you're paying taxes on it. So taxes, easy twenty percent, plus the ten percent early withdrawal penalty. So we're talking about thirty percent, right? So if you take out ten thousand dollars, most of the time you're going to pay three thousand maybe four thousand dollars in penalties and taxes it's a lot of money to give up to the IRS mm-hmm. so there's ways where you can take that same money out but not have to pay you pay zero penalties and taxes uh, and and that's where we come in to educate people on hey this 401k you have from your old job or this, this IRA here's how you can access it penalty and tax-free and we're not here to sell investments we don't sell stocks We don't sell real estate we don't sell insurance we're here to sell solutions. Like Mm. what problem do you have on your journey uh, that's why i like the name quest education because people are on different levels in their quest right their quest for financial independence their quest to leave their nine to five job, right but like what's their their pain point right now is that they have high interest rate credit card debt is that they need some funding to start their business you know like one of our customers she was able to use her retirement account took twenty thousand dollars out penalty and tax-free and started her Amazon business. She bought a bunch of wholesale product and she was able to flip that, make enough money, and she now runs her store from home. Like she quit her job at Great Clips. She's no longer cutting hair anymore. She's working from home with her business making enough money and she used her retirement account to leverage that opportunity, right? So it's about finding where the person is in their journey and how can we help them get from point A to point B in an efficient, hopefully in, in a, a timely manner too.
1: Well, I think that uh, what you're doing is really cool. I think that uh, the way you handle it, and and I think your story is really cool too. Um, And these journeys obviously make transitions. Um, I went back and looked and and saw that uh, you had spoke to a group, but it was like two, three years ago. I think that those type of things like speaking in front of people and things like that um, have a lot of just simple marketing, right? what um what, what was that transition was that a difficult thing for you um maybe having sales background it might not have been um but i know that you, you might have you had talked a little bit when we had met that that's one of your goals uh to do more speaking so maybe a little bit more about what that goal is and maybe was that a hard transition for you
0: yeah it was because i was so used to just being on the phone jamming right like i never had to really meet customers i never had to speak. I was just on the phones and uh as an employee you're just focused on calling your leads and closing deals and setting up appointments but then when you jump into entrepreneurship if you really want to level your business up you have to work on your business you have to work on branding and you have to work on business development Uh, and a good way to establish relationships and network at a high level is to work on your personal branding such as speaking um and so that was definitely a transition right like my first few videos trash like you know i'm stumbling i'm not feeling confident you know my first podcast episode i was nervous as shit and uh you know you, you still get butterflies when you speak and, and you do certain things because it, it's well i mean if you bring if you bring
1: hornitos in the tequila you you're good you know you yeah i, I <laughs> might need to bring
0: that on the next that's time the I first time stage. i've ever done that <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And when you, uh, I told you, man, when you're out here in Vegas, you'll have to jam on how winners win on, on my podcast and we'll, uh, we'll have to drink a shot while we're jamming. But, uh, man, it just comes down to like, just doing the work, despite how uncomfortable you feel, um, doing the work, despite, you know, you not wanting to do it. And then, you know, remembering that it's not about you. It, it's about the content you're delivering. And if you can just focus on what you're delivering to your audience and how it can benefit them, You're not going to care about the stupid shit that goes through your head like man i look like like an idiot on camera or man like uh, i don't like the way my voice sounds or i don't like the way i look on camera it's it's not about that it's about you just delivering a message that can resonate with somebody
1: i think that that um i pulled two books here and i think that you'll be able to pull a little bit of conversations from each one of them so i'm going to pull the first one here and um let's see maybe what your your first your first thought about this one here.
0: Oh, man. Did you, did you listen to the, uh, the audio one?
1: The audio is 10 times better, man. Man,
0: I way just, better. Ha- I had yeah. to get the book because I was like, I'm going for yeah. it. But what
1: what yeah. was your, what's your What's your thoughts of this guy? And has he impacted? He's made some impacts. Um, one of the videos for me is he's basically, um, it's he has a YouTube, uh, I think it's like, a, it's like, fuck people or something like that. I was like, Sounds I've, like, I've like played that car, you know, that one out. But like, yeah. I noticed that something that you, uh, you said that, that you'd watch the audio book, things like that. So what was some of the
0: things that this is, his mentality shifted for you? Um, I really like his, his, uh, his topic on the whole, Hey, when you think that you're at the finish line and you're done, you're ready to sit out and you're ready to stop. Like, did you still have, I think he says like 40% left in the tank. Like mm. when you think you're tired and you're done and you're ready to stop, like that's just your mind fucking with you. Like right? you still have that's a good. lot more in the just tank. Mind than fucking what you actually, yeah. And and that's so true. And I, I try to remember that like, you know, when I hit the gym or you know, when when I uh, you know finish some some work stuff, you know, things like that. Cause that's really true. Our, our our mind is always trying to, you know, get us to accept comfort and convenience. I um, we do a thing called the Moved Thirty um, with the the
1: Moved brand here, and um, I'd actually created it as as uh, the Buck Thirty. Um, but we do have a thing in common. I think that you did the seventy five hard. Yeah, you did too. I did the whole thing. Um, uh, oh, and, and nice. here, here, Good job, bro. You as well, man. I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, I created another program called the Moved Blitz, which I'll, which I'll be releasing because I found something interesting about. Um, that and, and I'll kind of see what your thoughts are. I kind of have a funny story. I I basically did it, and coming from like uh, a fighting background and, and all that kind of stuff, kind of have a. And you, you obviously playing soccer, that you kind of got a little yeah. something's not right sometimes in the head. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah. But when I did it, um, I'll never I'll never forget this moment. So I was doing when I started it. I said, look, I'll I'll commit 100, and I was running a minimum of probably maybe because it was one indoor, one outdoor, but I would do like three and a half miles or four miles for one workout. And then I would swim like 1100 yards for the second one. And do you remember when you hit your, because this falls in line with this. Do you remember when you hit your kind of your peak, when you went, uh, this ain't going to shift. Cause I remember there was a time when I went, wait a minute, this is all mental. Do you remember what day that changed for you? For 75 hard? Yeah, like what day did you go, dude? I'm not making really a because it was a part where you didn't really make gains anymore. It because of how much rep. It, oh, I caught that. <laughs> oh, and I had to crack my, I had to crack my
0: back. I just <laughs> I've
1: been doing it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but where did you find that there was like yeah, a day that you just went, dude? This is just gonna from now
0: on. It's just here. Yeah, well, I actually didn't finish my first time. So mm. this was November 2019. And uh, I'm not a scientist. I have no facts to back this up. This is purely my opinion, but I believe I got COVID in in November, 2019. Mm. Um, I never had the type of sickness in my lungs. I was out for like two weeks. Um, The doctors, like when I went to the doctors, they're like, yeah, we think you have bronchitis. And I've never had bronchitis before. Um, So they didn't seem too too certain on on diagnosing me. And like I said, I've never been out like that. Um, What's crazy is I have not been sick since November, 2019 knock on wood like i haven't got a cold i haven't got shit and it's been almost 2 years right so i'm telling myself like man I, I must have that you know antibodies or whatever but i got to day 63 64 and that's when i hit that wall and and i got sick and i i, I stopped and it sucked man it it 63 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so then uh so then when i started begin this year i was just like hey, bring it on like there's just i'm not gonna hit a brick wall like i just need to take it every day just day by day and uh you know it it was rough because i I went to the gym you know and i was lifting heavy i I actually gained weight during 75 hard by design um Mm. you know i went from like 185 to 200. Um, so i was eating a lot i was really sore but uh, i just knew what it was like to not finish it so i think that gave me an advantage the second time
1: well, I, I definitely, I hit day 50 and I was like, my body ain't changing. This is just yeah. literally going to be it. And I remember it was also, I, I remember, oh, I just got a whiff of that. T- <laughs> uh, basically, I remember, oh, nice. I remember looking down at this thing or whatever. And I remember literally going, I'm watching other people do it. And I'm like, they're walking. And I remember going, I'm killing myself. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, yeah. I got one more for you. Cause I think uh, I, I saw that you met him and i know that he just released a new book and i was just on instagram and it's pretty amazing how what our society is is that we could see people that you admire and have been in incredible situations and when you see them and then you maybe comment on their thing in instagram and then they kind of like it and they comment back to you and it was this guy right here and
0: man i got uh so i just finished his book that one i got a cool grover story so i met him I want to say it was Brad Lee's event. Um, I met him a couple of years ago and we ended up just having lunch together, but it was like in a room full of a lot of mm. people and maybe 15 minutes and it was like six other people. Right. So it wasn't just me and him, but I was at the same table and, you know, we shot the shit for a little bit and then I saw him again at a different event a full year later and uh, we're kind of passing by each other and uh I'm like what's up Grover I just pound you know give him a fist bump not expecting to have a conversation just like you know just acknowledging him just saying what's up and then he's like hey what's up Daniel and I stopped I was like I'm like what the fuck dude I'm like how do you even know who I am bro like I'm nobody I'll never forget this man like he looked at me he's like don't ever fucking say that again he's like you are somebody and I was like oh shit man like (laughs) he fucked me up um but I I thought that was really cool because i'm like you know i barely i talked to him a year ago for 15 minutes and it's not like we exchanged phone numbers and talk after that yeah. um so like that dude has some characteristics that are really unique to remember someone's name like that i mean he, he's he's a real one he's he's really special so um yeah man did you read the book his I,
1: I'm, one? I'm on i'm on going through the whole thing i am when he's selfish
0: okay, okay. yeah it's, it's a good one man so he's a solid solid dude
1: well, I think that um, that wraps kind of this up. You know, you're fucking somebody.
0: I think yeah. that that's everyone. Everyone listening to this, you know, you fucking somebody. You are. Or you haven't started. Or exactly, exactly.
1: And, and you know, I'm gonna kind of say because, like, I remember growing up when I was younger, it's like you know, cussing and all those things. But the two people we brought up, this guy's like fuck people, and this guy's like you're fucking somebody. And and these guys are are just inspiring Who mass else? amounts of people. Um, how yeah. do people find you? How do, how do they find you? You know, how can they get involved in, in, in it? I, We obviously detailed that at their journey, if they have, you know, at a place where they're at financially, they can contact you. Um, how do they find you, man?
0: Yeah. Best place would be danielblue.me. Uh, it's Daniel, last name blue, just like the color.me. Uh, it's got all my social media handles I'm pretty active on, on Instagram and Facebook. And then, uh, it's got a link to my book. It's coming out next month, uh, blueprint to your best retirement. Uh, and then it has a link to a course, uh, one of my courses it's called, uh, the quest way, how to make money tax-free. So it's got different modules on how you can make money tax-free, how you can access your retirement penalty and tax-free. Um, if you have a 401k from an old job or an IRA and the idea of accessing these funds penalty and tax-free appeals to you you want to learn more Uh, there's also a link to my company's website quest education Um, and then that way you can fill out a form someone from my team can reach out to you and uh, walk you through that process and help you understand what that looks like Um, and then it's got a link to my podcast uh, how winners win uh, where we help people with different strategies to win personally financially business Um, and and try to bring some value there. So we have a lot of fun with that podcast. And and Jason, hopefully we can have you uh, in the studio one of these days, Uh, that invite is is open for you, brother. Uh, So danielblue.me is is where you can find out more information about me, my brand, my company, and all that fun stuff.
1: Well, Daniel Blue, I've had a blast. I didn't get too buzzed. I'm doing perfectly fine here. I definitely got a buzz just hanging out with you, man. You got great vibe and I really appreciate it. Moved, Entrepreneur Evolved. Thanks a lot, brother. Thank you. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.